Welcome to Mind Matters with Sandy and Kathleen. Don't forget to hop over to our Facebook page uh, to search on Facebook for Mind Matters with Sandy and Kathleen. And uh, then we'll be able to upload podcasts and let you know what we're doing with some videos. There'll be all sorts of information and things on there. And don't forget to share the page as well if you've already liked it. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks, Kath. It's nice to be back in the chair, so to speak. <laughs> that is classic hypnother- clinical hypnotherapy talk, back in the chair. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants to get in the chair. <laughs> yeah. If you've never had clinical hypnotherapy, by all means, send us a direct message through the um, Facebook page and Sandy can help. Well, Sandy's going to do some information on clinical hypnotherapy, but today we're going to talk about addiction. Sandy, where yes. would you like to start? Um, well, I was actually thinking about how addiction's perceived. Yes. Okay, I was um, doing a talk up in Sydney and it was business people and I was actually asked to do mindfulness. And um, one of the questions that came off the floor was, do you do deal with people with addictions? And I said, yes, I do. And because we're, it was mindfulness based and I was probably about two hours into the seminar at that stage, and we talked a lot about mindfulness and how we are in society and how we respond and our awareness of what we do. And I sort of sat there and I said, well, she's standing. Um, and I stood there and I said, right, so everyone in this room would know what an ice addict is. You know, they're the ones that rob your house, you know, steal your furniture and your jewellery and kill people for no reasons and they've got no teeth mm-hmm. and all that and everyone's doing the naughty the stereotypical yep, yep, addict yep, that's yep, the, the addicts, picture in your mind you know, and they're just useless they're hopeless they're no good at anything they can't hold a job and they're dangerous you know mm. really dangerous people and scary a lot and of people scary. find addicts quite surprising oh, too. absolutely terrifying because they're off their face 24 7 and I said, so how many of you people in this room think that? And everyone. Yeah. Everyone in that room put their hand up. And I said, guess what? I said, that's exactly what an addict thinks of themselves in most of the time. I said, you've got functional alcohol, alcoholics, addicts that hold incredibly high-powered jobs, that are in charge of lots of people, I said, but they judge themselves harshly. And I said, and not only that, every single addict, and I mean this, every single addict over the years and years and years that I've been working with them, not one of them, not one of them has put their hand up and said, Jesus, I think I'll become an addict. That's a really good thing to do. It's not a lifestyle choice, that's for sure. And and they don't, well... I think how many, I'm sure you've the same, how many have said to you, why would you want to help me? I'm just a junkie. Yep. I'm just a junkie. That's how they view themselves. Mm-hmm. They're still people. But the, and they didn't start off as a junkie on day one. Yeah, and even coming out of addiction, not only do they view themselves that way, it's how, how society views them. Mm. It's, you know, it's so much easier for um, people of gay that are gay that come out because they're accepted. Junkies are not accepted. And it doesn't matter whether you're an addict of sex, gambling, um, drugs, you know, you can, eating, there's a great one. Eating. Addiction. Oh. Oh. You know, people judge, 
you know, and they judge themselves and society judges them. So even when they're trying to work out of addiction, they're often dragged back into addiction by societal views of how they see themselves and how society sees them. And how people view addiction as well. We yeah, because no, you're obviously an idiot to become addicted. You're or useless. My favourite, my favourite one to an alcoholic. You can just have one drink. It's mm. only a problem if you have more than that. Just have one drink. You'll be okay. You're yeah. with us. Yeah, just take control, man. Yeah, you've you just got to have some control. Just, just have the one, you know. Or, or just, you know, you can have, you can just go out, you know, to the pub with your friends and get drunk one night a week. That's right. Not understanding what. Addiction, addiction is. is and how it should be perceived as well i mean in australia it's quite well known we have a drinking culture and it is expected socially that when you go out there will be alcohol involved mm. and i know myself i don't drink and it's not for people often go are you religious and I go, it's nothing to do with religion <laughs> it's got nothing to do i did grow up in a family where there was a number of alcoholics they, they worked in bars they were molsters um, my father has never had an alcoholic drink he was often judged for that. He still is now. When I say that, the look on people's faces, it is how is that possible that he has never had an alcoholic drink in his entire 72 and three-quarter years of life? Yeah. And as you know, my partner mm. is a non-drinker too. Yeah. One of the things that often people will say is how am I going to socialise? Yes. And, you know, I have obviously many living examples where people are just so incredibly proud of themselves you know of not drinking and they go we'll be out or and i've been out with because i often with my addicts i've been to aa meetings and to na meetings and all this to support and there's this perception and i've seen it with people that are coming out of addiction where they go oh, i'm you know and they're quite uh, forlorn no no I don't drink anymore and I go get proud of that man mm -hmm. no I don't drink no none of that I don't just don't drink yeah I don't yeah no I don't do drugs don't do that it, it, not only that addicts move move away from that that sort of culture too as it progresses but getting into it is is the interesting part you know so how so many people end up in addiction None, and I, that's what I mean, it's not one. Not one of them ever put their hand up and said, do you think I'll go down that, can my lad swear on these? Absolutely, go Thank for you. That, not one of them said, you know, I'm going to fuck my life right up by being a drug addict. I'm going to fuck my life up by being an alcoholic. I'm going to lose the family home through gambling. Not one of them, not one of them put their hand up to it. They judge themselves and people judge them. And it can start as innocently as going out and drinking and then someone says, oh, you were hilarious because they they were normally shy. You know, some of the barriers sort of melt away where people go in different directions. You know, it can be the kid at school, you know, where they've got the addict or the pusher on the other side of the fence. You know, the teenage girls and boys that have low self-esteem. They start somewhere. I did put up, pop up a live um, I, I shared to the, to the Facebook, to Mental Health and Beyond. I shared um, a live um, cover from somebody that does 
I suppose you'd call her not an influencer, Laura Clary. I don't know. Did you see this video? Mm. Yeah. So she she runs. She does these fantastic. It started off her and her husband just her doing. Um, I think she was using Snapchat filters, and she harasses her husband. Gave him another name or got, pretends she was a stalker. And she's become really well followed on Facebook. And I only discovered the other day that she's an addict. She was celebrating her eight-year clean birthday. And so she started looking about, talk about how she deals, like when she feels like she might want to drink or she might want to use or whatever it is. Mm. She said she starts to think, if I have one drink now, where will that take me? Where will I be in four hours, eight hours, 12 hours? And she said, well, let me think about it. If I had a drink now, that would lead to another drink and then I would be drunk. And then probably what would I do? I'd do lines of cocaine and then I am going to end up in Mexico with strangers. And I can tell you now that's happened to me before and it is not going to be be good. It's not going to be a good outcome. Then she started talking about how her life was now because she wasn't taking those steps that would project her into that. And she said, I've got the dream job that I've always wanted and I've got the dream husband, the dream house and the dream child. And she said, even though it sounds like I'm boasting about it, but she says, she turned around and said to her husband, who I perceive may also be an addict that is sober, oh, the way okay. she says it. Because yeah, yeah. she said to him, she yells out to him in the house, and she says, could you imagine if we were trying to do all of this while we were drunk? Yeah. And he just went, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> because that's that's the thing, that she, she can work out in her head where she was going wrong. And no, it didn't start off with her being drunk every day in New Mexico doing lines of cocaine with strangers. But where if she took that one drink, where it would go. So when people say to addicts, just have the one drink. Oh, it's not like that. I mean, not Doesn't only have you, there's, because there's things that happen in your brain as an addict, you know, and we have receptors, you know. So even when you look at someone that's gambling, there's actual chemical reactions that are happening within the body. And when that chemical reaction is not triggered, whether it be you know, direct chemical input being drugs or alcohol, but the stimuli of um, the gambling and all the rest and the high of the racing and all the rest actually mm. creates chemical reactions that's right within yeah. our body. And that's the thing that gets you, you know, go, I want more of that, I want more of that, I want more it's of like that. like adrenaline junkies. Talk about adrenaline junkies, people that want to base jump and jump out of planes and... All those things, they're looking for that feeling. Well, that... they actually, there's an addiction with that. Mm, and they've absolutely. measured it. Like, they've actually measured it, um, the adrenals and serotonin levels and all the rest. And for them to achieve that, they actually have to, a lot of them have to do bigger and bigger and bigger things to achieve that high. I can give you insight into that. Recently, in July, we took a family holiday to the Gold Coast. And I haven't been up there and on big rides, you know, big theme park rides for, for more than 10 years. And I got on, I was lining up for this roller coaster and I thought, oh, I don't know about this. Am I really, am I too old at 44 to be doing, doing roller coaster? How is my body going to cope with this? I got off that with the biggest, biggest adrenaline rush. And then I just went, right, where are we going again? And I was, and I realized like halfway through the first day, I thought, oh my God, I'm chasing adrenaline rush. I, I was doing it. Yeah. So, um, and then I was like, well, is this a good thing or a bad? And now I'm thinking I should, I want to go on the bigger coasters and the faster coasters. How fast does this go? How many Gs is this pulling? Because I was looking for that feeling. Yeah. So, yes. Am I adrenaline junkie? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do I judge myself for it? Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was hardcore. I lay in bed that night thinking I was chasing that. Mm-hmm. And I will go back again tomorrow and probably chase it again. Mm-hmm. But luckily for me, the theme parks are 1,750 kilometres away. 
So, <laughs> my so dealer, funny. my dealer is the RACV that sells me membership tickets at a cheap price. <laughs> Does me a good deal on them, but um, but you know, was I always like that? And from time to time, I have chased that that rush, that feel. It's probably why I love motorsport. Well, the thing it's is, though, fast and is, hard. And, is yeah, that an addiction? No, no, it's not an addiction because I don't. I can't, um, I can function without it. Do I enjoy it? Yes. Is it that feeling of where it starts? That's what people do when they drink. I, I drink to forget. I drink to have a good time. I drink so I'm confident. Or I drink, I drink so because it's social. I'm social. And that makes me more social because mm-hmm. I need it to open up my personality. And everyone else is doing it. Everyone I else. Want, I yeah. want to be part of the crowd. Whereas I'm the boring person. I, you know, as they say, okay, well, why are you not drinking? I'm just, I don't need to look at the wine list. I have to say it's cheaper to go out when you drink sparkling water and that's it. Cause that's pretty much all I drink is I drink hot water, sparkling water, or still water. So it is much cheaper to go out and drink sparkling water than it is to drink, you know, a $16 cocktail or something like that. Does it make me look like the odd person out? To everybody else, it probably does. But would I change my behaviour? No. So I just thought I'd talk a bit about some of the addicts that I have in my room mm-hmm. from time not to right time. Not right now. They're not all sitting in no, there. No, they're not, they're not all here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I'm talking about the perceived perceptions again. Yeah. So I'm just going back to sort of that area. Is that, you know... And this is an area that Kath and I'll sort of cover off on different areas about supporting people that have addicts in their family or friends and they don't know how to appropriate support them. But we'll get into that, I think, on another podcast. Absolutely, because yeah. we have our, we have, yeah. both Sandy and I have a joint long term addict who I told him during the week that we're doing this podcast and he went, oh, When is it going to include me? Where how <laughs> many times, <laughs> yeah, how many times will it include me? So he, he'll be listening to this at some point going, That's me, that's me. When am I going to be pulled up to the plate? So, and, and he very much, we've had things to do with his family and so on as well so but um time and time again you know this is the judgment and this is why often it's so so very very difficult for um addicts to move out of that zone because it's a it's actually a very large thing to do they've got to there's lots of things that actually need to happen for an addict. Um, but when I sit there, and this is another one that addicts and society judge them on, is that they'll sit there and go, I don't ever want to use again. I don't want to drink again. I don't want to gamble again. I don't want to have... No, they don't say I don't want to have sex again. They usually don't want to do... <laughs> have it out of control. Yeah. yeah being so, destructive. Um, and I know... And I actually know every single time that they say that, they mean it. Mm. Whereas people go, oh, they're lying. Look at them, they're still using or they're still doing and all the rest. And the addict goes, you know, oh, I'm useless because I'm still doing ABC. No, you know, no one it means it more than an addict that's in that space of I want to not, I don't want to do this yeah. anymore. They mean it. But, and it's, it's not a lie. And it's something that, you know, both Kath and I have talked about a thousand times. And yes, our, our mutual client will, will attest to this. Doesn't matter, 100 times down, it's 101 times up. It does not matter. It never, ever matters how many times 
that you revisit so long as you walk away again and then you learn something else you get better skills you get better self-esteem you get that nothing that you are doing is wrong but they judge and judge and it's harsh and relentless mm-hmm. you know because you've got physical stuff as well as emotional and you can't separate it no you know it's like you know when <laughs> here's another one of course being clinical hypnotherapist i deal with people with eating problems and with smoking and smoking would be one of the easiest things to walk away from like seriously um, there's a lot of smokers at the moment that are going yeah okay back that one up <laughs> come on come on down. I, I should say sandy and i are both ex-smokers yes yeah. we are both ex-smokers we are both yeah. ex-fat people too as well yes. <laughs> we both were fat smokers and now, <laughs> and now we're skinny miserable gits <laughs> i don't know about the skinny but anyway we're, we're miserable gits in any case with but, good functioning lungs. That's right. Yeah, great skin. It might be a bit saggy. So don't think we're standing on the non-smoking skinny bandwagon going, you know. We've never we, done this. We don't understand. You just need to come over to our side. No, we've been on that side of the yeah. fence. Yeah, exactly. And I used to drink. I used to hit it pretty hard when I was younger. I, I've often thought about what an addiction is. When, you know, when you look at yourself and you mm. go, was, was I an alcoholic? And I'm not sure if I, if I, I can't even say it was or were. I feel that's, I can't get my grammar correct here. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then you go, how, how harshly I judged myself throughout that period. But the thing that pulled me out is I went, I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't like what I see and how I respond and behave in those sort of situations. I don't like that. But it took me to see it. And it's interesting. I've, I have other people that know that they have addictions. The people at um, Jenny Road Brewhouse would very much like you to return to your drinking, excessive drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring it on. <laughs> Aluminium cans now. <laughs> They're great for the fire. Um, but, um, you know, there's people that don't want to come out of addiction. No, there's people that... They know they know they're in it. I won't say they're happily in it. That's not necessarily mm. the case, but they don't want to, to do change it. Yeah. They don't want to change it and they'll look for ways to manage it, I suppose, mm. is the thing. And sometimes they do it better than others. Yeah. And uh, like we say, they walk amongst us. Yeah. So um, it's like drug testing on, on job sites. I know we've had addicts say if they start drug testing where we are nobody's going to have a job on monday absolutely everybody will be gone yeah and we know there's industries where it's rife and and it's you know and that's often the industries that go hand in hand where mental health issues are rife as well because they you know what comes first the chicken or the egg were they an addict that led to the mental health issues more often than not it's the other way around Mm -hmm. mental health issues that led to addiction of some description at some time well there's another one is that addiction can be learnt too Mm. so you see um here's another one i I just want to blow this one out of the water when i know i'm going to have probably you've already dropped the f-bomb so you might as well blow something out of the water yeah so we'll probably have some maybe people not agreeing with this statement but i i would certainly back it is marijuana 
Oh, is perceived yeah. as a safe the drug. safe drug in inverted commas. Oh, oh no, I don't do drugs. God. I just do, I do marijuana. marijuana. I just do a bit of you know a few spliffs. I just do this. You know, it's all good. You know, the rusters used to do it. You know, it was great back in the sixties. It's a safe drug, man. Let's chill. Yeah. And the thing is, the THC levels in marijuana now are at such a high level through hybridization so let's get this right we do not have not genetically modified marijuana it's like picking the better wheat head what people have done is they've picked the marijuana that gives them the better high which is the thc levels in the marijuana so it's just through human going i want that that one's better and i'll breed this one with this one and we'll get data da. so this is just a human intervention I should say we're not. We have no issue with medicinal cannabis treatments of oh, any description. Gosh, no, no, we're no, all for all. that. Oh, all for that. Not at all. It's because the thing is, that with the filtering, they are doing such a bang up job of filtering whether you need the THC levels in them for anxiety, all the rest. So they're doing amazing work with marijuana. But mine is the perception that it's a mm. safe drug. Yes. You know, they've done extensive studies over in the UK on the developing brain in young male adolescents. And because the THC level is so high now, it is actually not a safe drug. So if you've got a predisposition to, say, bipolar, it can actually trigger you into it. It won't, it's not 100% that if you've got a predis, this is going to happen, but they've shown it, but it can. more often than not. If you've got, you know, family history, depression, anxiety, da-da-da, and you've got this predisposition, it actually can trigger you into a bipolar episode. And um, while I actually personally only know three people that are not medicated, um, bipolar usually once you're bipolar it's an ongoing issue that you need to manage for the rest of your heavily life. managed issue for the rest yeah. of it you'll be very good friends with a psychiatrist yeah forever. so as I say I only know a couple of people that are have that are out not doing that but they do lots of um, mind and awareness work on recognizing where they are um, but, uh, you know, the thing is that it just is it's gobsmacking how many people still think that marijuana is a safe drug. And it is not. Mm. It is just not a safe drug anymore. You know, it's... And so I know that I'll probably get, you know, some people going, you know, what's she talking about, da-da-da. It's... It, there's too much evidence, too much based evidence in mental health and all the rest. And, you know, because the kids go, oh, you know, Dad's smoking some joints. You know, so they'll steal a bit, go down the back, you know. That's how I started smoking. <laughs> I used to do, what did you smoke? I used to start starting with Camel non-filter. I was always I Peter terrible. Jackson, Peter Jackson 8 milligram. I don't know what they were called. I know, it's been that long, but, yeah, I, I gave up smoking, like, 15 years ago or something, 16 years ago. Mm. It's been a while now. And I look at the price of them now and think we couldn't afford to smoke. We were both smoking. I, I wasn't a really heavy smoker. Rob was at least a pack, pack and a half a day. Yeah. But we couldn't afford to do it now. Mm. That's amazing. But, you know, drugs are not something that features in our house. No, it's not. Same. But I have other friends that do, they don't see anything wrong with smoking marijuana. I do have friends that use it for medicinal purposes and I completely understand why they're doing it and they make very sensible 
choices around that mm -hmm. because they've found that, that that's what they basically needed to do to to live to survive yeah. um well, but it's such an incredibly good pain manager yeah. especially cancer like pain yes that's it's right amazing you know i we, we've discussed that and that might be a discussion that we have on a further podcast around about you know mm. how people control pain because yeah. there's other ways to do it and, you know yeah but it's, <laughs> we're talking about the people that justify it in ways where they go it's natural it's a plant it's safe mm. i'm not addicted to it i use it to relax blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah. and it's 100 percent fine anyone can do it we should all be doing it oh that's a better statement we should all be doing it yeah because <laughs> the thing be is that it's the thing is that what you're talking about is, you know, there are people that smoke mm. and that that are not addicts. There's people that drink that are not addicts. Yeah. There is also people that take drugs that are not addicts. That's right. Yeah. So what we're talking about is the addict and the perception of safe. What safe is. It's not a safe drug, just as ice or cocaine or just as alcohol. It's not safe. Mm. But it, just because you use, blah, blah, doesn't actually mean you're an addict either. So, you know, we're talking more the addiction and how the perception is that these things are safe. And if you're not in the, and, and it can just grow and you don't realise that one day you're not safe anymore. And not everyone does that though. No, that's right. And then we, we will spend some time talking about the addict brain as well and how that functions, how that controls people's choices and mm. or leads them down certain paths. But mm. Well, I think that's been... Mm. I think we've probably made people's ears bleed by now, don't you think? That's that? right. You're going to be back for podcast number three after that one. Yeah. So <laughs> don't forget, we, you can pop over to... Uh, on Instagram, we've got the Barefoot Hypnotherapist and Mental Health and Beyond. And on uh, Facebook, we've got mind matters with um sandy and kathleen we've got mental health and beyond and skyview hypnotherapy which we do all sorts of interesting things you can um, get some more insight into our clinic and what we do here but uh, you can always send us a message and um, catch up to what we do and uh, if you've got any suggestions on anything that you'd like us to talk about by all means let us know because that will give us our list of topics <laughs> not that we're you can tell we just natter along. We don't really make sense a lot of the time. No, I think we do. I, I think, think we, we do, do make because sense. It's sometimes just that discussion is then you get to see it sometimes in a little That's bit right. of a different way. That's and we all. just hope that you take something away from it and that you'll yeah. join us again soon. So we will see you next time. Bye. Catch you later. <laughs>